Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to uh, Super Fun This Week in Marvel. There's no crazy Blake celebrity action on this .5 episode, but it is an E3 special. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, and I went to the Electronic Entertainment Expo in Los Angeles, California, and uh, I got some cool stuff. This is one of my uh, more favorite interviews we've done, series of interviews for the podcast. There's three that you're going to listen to. First up is uh, with Tim and Christian on our games team, talking about their background, their history. They're working on uh, a variety of titles. Uh, Crazy stuff. I didn't know about either of them. And actually, in the middle of the interview, you realize that they didn't know anything about, like, a lot of these things about each other, which was super fun. Then the second part will be with Arthur Parsons, who is uh, the head Pooba over on our Lego Avengers game. Uh, game directing the crap out of that. Super fun. Uh, we talked to him in secret closed door area within E3. And then the third part is like nine hours long and it's wonderful. It is the bike show. That's Bill Roseman and uh, Mike Jones uh, on our games team. They are fantastic. It is a ridiculous interview and it's super fun. Tons of stories and history about uh, how they got into games and really some really insightful stuff about what we're doing in Marvel games. So I hope you guys check it out. Even if you're not a gamer, I think you get a lot out of this episode and just, you know, who we are at Marvel and different parts of the company. So uh, enjoy. All right, more E3 activity. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Uh, Marvel.com Air, Mark Strom, a.k.a. Stromy, I guess, and joined by... Uh, Christian Arecci, senior producer at Marvel Games. And Tim Hernandez, another senior producer at Marvel Games. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, guys. Thank Thanks for being on the show. Um, where... So, how long have each of you been now with Marvel Games? What day is today? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Tim, you want to... Uh, about four months now, actually. Yeah, I was uh, with Disney Interactive for a couple years before that, so stayed within the Disney family. Uh, and then I think I'm on month two or three now, uh, and as well from from Disney. Where were you? So, how long were you guys at Disney? At Disney Interactive. I was at Disney Interactive for two years. Uh, prior to that, I was at a couple of mobile startups, and then in electronic arts for five years. So I've been in the mobile games industry for uh, over a dozen years now. So, yeah. And uh, I was just shy of two years working on Disney Infinity. Uh, I came aboard just as 1.0 was going out, and then I jumped on uh, to, to help get out Marvel 2.0. Uh, and then uh, before that, I worked on everything from consoles to mobile to social to everything. So, what was uh, what was each of your first games working in the industry, and like what was your job? Because like for perspective, I worked uh, at Acclaim doing game testing. Uh, while I was still in college, and that was the worst thing ever. <laughs> um, just, I think it was more because of the environment at Acclaim at the time, but still, that was I have that little bit of first experience sure. in games. And yeah. I'm also curious what a mobile game 12 years ago looked like. Terrible. <laughs> terrible. Not terrible. I mean, they were obviously much simpler. Nowhere near where you are with the smartphones. What what color was it? <laughs> it was it was it, it was black and white. It, I mean, the first games I was working on. Yeah, uh, on the J two M E Brew. These platforms that you know some people know of, some people you know never want to hear of again. Um, very simple, one touch. Lots of bowling games, lots of time games, card games. You know the stuff you see that now looks archaic. But uh, but yeah, I mean it was a start. You have to start somewhere. And uh, I think the fundamentals of you know what works in such a small uh, on such a small device and what gets players engaged to keep coming back I mean those tenets that I learned working on games back then I mean, I'm still referencing today 
Uh, for myself, I'll totally date myself. I started uh, back in the day working at Blizzard. Uh, I was there for about six years. I actually started in the QA team uh, there uh, and worked my way up to production. But uh, my first, very first title that I worked on was the uh, Mac version of Diablo 1. Uh, and then jumped on to a little game called StarCraft after that. And then uh, just every other Blizzard title up to up and through WoW. And then the last thing I left off with was Diablo 3. Uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, funny story. Actually, one of the first company that I worked for uh, was Informa, now Hands-On Mobile. They had the Marvel Mobile license back in the day. So, uh, eventually, That's I worked cool. on Ultimate Spider-Man and X-Men Legends. So, a port for mobile of those games. Yeah, and actually, they were pretty cool. I mean, the art style was nice. The gameplay itself, you know, for for uh, an ancient. 2D side scroller on, on mobile wasn't uh, anything near what we see today, but it was fun, and that was uh, you know a first taste of mobile. So I came full circle. Yeah. Uh, now a uh, new era of Marvel games. I don't Pretty even cool. remember those versions yeah. of those games, and I've been at Marvel nine years and covered everything. It would have been before then. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah. Oh, so X Men Legends. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So All I was right. just I was just playing your games for fun at, that, at the time. So what I was doing. Yeah. For real. Like no joke. There you go. Yeah. Actually, I think we also made a Fantastic Four uh, game, a Korean exclusive Fantastic Four game. Had fantastic art, and we were trying hard to bring it uh, to North America and worldwide. But you know, our, our company, our publishing team, just didn't, you know, didn't think it would work. Was that tied to the animated series? Because there was an animated show, the oh Fantastic God, Four World's uh, yeah. Greatest oh, yeah. Heroes. Yeah. 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 WGH. Yeah. 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 No, I don't think so. I think it was. Uh, even prior to the, the first Fox film for Fantastic Four, so but it may have, it may have been around that same time. Do you remember that animation? Was like with that block of Iron Man cartoons too. Was oh, you're thinking of like the '90s Fantastic I Four. Oh no, you're right. There's a, there's I one in the early mid 2000s. Yeah, the you're, one. Oh, you're right. The where they had the blue and white costume yeah. update. Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking of you're thinking of the um, Iron Man series where I the was. Mandarin was green. I do. I, I was. No, yeah. you're right. Really? Yeah, the Mandarin is green in that series. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's that Fantastic Four one where the, that sort of anime style. Yeah. So, um, I do remember that. Wacker would never let us have a green Mandarin at this time. <laughs> um, Not approved. Stream food poisoning. So were you guys Marvel fans growing up? Were you comic book guys? Like, oh, yeah. what's your history oh, with absolutely. the brand? Absolutely. Yeah, I remember the you know, first comic book I got was actually G.I. Joe number three. It was My parents got me a subscription back when they used to do to, to have those. Yeah. Lucky. But that's, parents that's would never do that. That's how I got started, too. My mom got me uh, subscriptions like Captain America, Fantastic Four, Amazing Spider-Man, and some other book. She's like, you can get four. Which do you want? Exactly. Uh, and, then, and obviously from there, I got into the, the superheroes just a diehard collector, you know, 30 plus comic boxes in my garage, still need to move over to my house oh, yeah. one of these days. Uh, and then I, I worked in the industry prior to moving into games. I was actually at a, a, stu a studio with an image comic. So always been, uh, you know, on the fringes of, of the comic industry, you know, straddling it with games, sort of now merging them both. What studio? Top Cow Productions. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. What'd That's you do cool. at Top Cow? I was an editor, uh, development director. I did a lot of their trading card sets. We have, I love this. I had no idea. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, top secret. Did you know what, what years were you at Top Cow? From pretty much year one. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, Cyberforce. I think number eight was the. Get the, out. Yeah. When I when I joined Top Cow, that was the, the book, and That's so we fantastic. went through Strike Force, Ripclaw, all those different series, and then you know obviously Witchblade and the Darkness, the era we worked with with Garth Ennis, I'm and just brought jealous. in a lot of creative talent. Uh, yeah, cool. during the boom, during, during the, the boom, yeah. boom, it was a mad time to be in the yeah. industry. Yeah, so work in San Diego, it was a blast. But uh, 
yeah, my, my passion was games, so I wanted to, to jump into that. Found so, a way to merge them. So opposite, I mean, like, always a Marvel fan. I mean, my brother and I used to, like, save our lunch money, and then Fridays hit 7-Eleven, and then, like, buy comics and not tell my mom about it. But that was like, it was like, what is this book? Oh, don't worry about that, mom. But it was like, you know, here's my Avengers <laughs> issue. Like, and then we just trade and stuff like that. But, but opposite, where I was, I started in games, and there's always that, you know, same culture crossover. Everybody loves comics and, and cartoons and stuff like that. So it was always there. It was always prevalent. But it was never until like jumping on in Marvel now that I was able to like combine those two passions. So yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, it's I didn't great. know. I didn't know you did this stuff. Like all those issues, I was reading. I like that so you're. Funny. You guys sit five feet from each other and now you're learning so much more about each other it's, it's so true we yeah. should do we should do a podcast just amongst ourselves yeah forget these two guys I know. No. <laughs> we should maybe just turn around and acknowledge each other in the bullpen once in a while i mean sometimes we're just so joking just focused on the work yeah. obviously we're a ton of games coming out on our stage. how many times sim super how many times do we ask you to lunch and you're like no guys i got stuff to do Contest of Champions, Future Fight Beckons, must work, must work. No. Yeah, no, two amazing games, though. To be fair, two amazing, amazingly fun games. Well done. You guys are, are naturals at this. What was the? Was there a trigger point for either of you of like, I, I want to make video games. I want like, was there a title? Was there a moment? Like because that, especially you know a couple years back, that wasn't that career wasn't so prevalent. Like, I as a kid, I, you know I. Not as many people back when we were younger yeah. thought, yes, I'm going to make video games as a career. So, so I started in PC games, um, but I think I think the moment is probably more important than the actual title. But for me, it was uh, that night of just hanging out with my friends and having a great night, and we're like eating pizza and and, and drinks and sodas, like whatever. But it's just that hanging out with your buddies and like playing games and kind of all around one thing. And I realized that's moments that I want to help create for other people no matter what it is and so now it's sort of living the dream of going like I can do that with Marvel because uh, we all geeked out on Marvel anyway but now with games as well so it's kind of this perfect marriage of the two but I think it was the moment where I realized I want to do this for me and my friends and everybody else that was that was what it was and, and that was and that was that and then honestly no it's a plug but it, honestly Marvel vs. Capcom 2 like freaking love that title so it was that yeah, when we go to the other hall, the West Hall, they have the Video Game History Museum. They have yeah. a working MVC2 cabinet. For real? I yeah. haven't checked that out yet. I gotta go check that out. Oh my god. There's yeah. so many. I used to hustle. <laughs> Wait, is this. I'm gonna say, it. I used to hustle. There was an arcade pool hall uh, back in my hometown. And I used to hustle quarters there. And it was me and like three or four other serious competitors. And we would just line up our quarter rows. And then, if, good luck trying to get a game in between us. And it was it was it was serious money. I'm talking like five or six dollars. Wow! Like big, big time, big bucks. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, I'm not gonna play yeah. against you. No, I'm don't. <laughs> we'll we'll play later. It's fine. Cool. For me, I think uh, similar to Christian, I just always wanted to create entertainment. You know, to give back what I found. I mean, it sounds very cheesy, but it's funny. My parents always laugh. It's like, oh, we spent all this money on video games <laughs> and comics. I'm like, yeah. And look. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making a, a living out of it, but uh, but you know, obviously, growing up reading comics, playing games, always thought if I could parlay that somehow into a, in a profession, great. And then uh, really, I was I was working in comics, and the opportunity just just arose, and I was like, yeah, you know, starting up this game company, working there, you know, would you be interested? And back then, it was like, well, it's a mobile game, you know, is what's that a mobile? What's game? a mobile game? You know, I want to <laughs> do that, but you know, I kind of saw uh, 
looked into the future and said, you know, it's at least it's a way to get my foot in the door. You know, if it leads to console, great. If it leads to, um, you know, making bigger and better games, you know, at least I am still making something in entertainment. And it just worked out that eventually they got the Marvel license, which was fantastic because I was able to pull back to my reference in comics. And um, and then, yeah, just one thing led to another. And I was like, OK, this isn't just a, a viable profession, but it's something that I could really uh, take and, and, and build my career around. So, so yeah, I think it was more just, yeah. Know. Just those moments with friends, just like this cool stuff. We all had that moment, by the way, with our parents. We're just like, what are you doing? Like, seriously, like, I just completely resonates with me. I had that same moment with my folks. Like, what are you doing here? I'm making games, mom and dad. It's all good. I'm living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> my, my mom doesn't really understand what I do, but she's now on Facebook. She's like, so I saw on Facebook you were doing this or that. That seems like a thing that might be fun. I'm like, yes, I'm having a good time in my career. <laughs> yeah. It's enjoyable. My, my mother was just ecstatic when I got hired at Marvel because she's like, oh, now I can, uh, now all the relatives that were always like, oh, why does he have so many comics? Why do you buy all these comics yeah. from? Now yeah. I can be like, what was the investment in his future? Exactly. <laughs> So dream big, kids. That's the message, I think. Dream, yeah. dream big. Totally. It's going to happen. Uh, do you, if I know it's a tough question. Could you pick a favorite game or even a game series? Dude. Oh, dude. It's a loaded question. All right, you go. And yeah. it doesn't have to be Marvel-related at all. I mean, we all have That's our fair. different interests. Go for it. I always go back to, I think, Final Fantasy Tactics. Damn it. That was oh, my gosh. Way. Well, it was going to be Tactics or 7. Okay. Like... Yeah. It's a ten, it's a temple. Those are temple titles, right? I, yeah, I think well, it's the first game that I I I broke the hundred hour barrier, yeah. and not just broke it, but yeah. maybe doubled it. Yeah. So you know, for I sure. think just for the the amount of time invested, that that one I could still probably pick up now. I'd say Resident game. Evil would be another one. I mean, that's a t that's a tough question because there's so many great games for particular genres, right? Um, but I'd say yeah, like for sure those two. Yeah, I think. Then, I mean, I can't wait to check out Final Fantasy VII here. Oh my god, yeah, it looks amazing. The people, I was at the PlayStation conference, and the people behind me were, like, hyperventilating when they showed that. I was like, cool. I yeah. loved 7, but I don't, I, I guess I'm just, it's a remake of a game that we've put so many hours into already. For sure. I'm hoping that there's something that leads me back to it that is not just, like, I remember playing this. Like, there's yeah. something new ex to experience. I think it was, again, yeah, I agree with you. Like, again, it was that moment of capturing that feeling. And even though that was like, you don't play that with your friends, but we were all playing it at the same time, so we were talking about it, going through it. I think I've played seven, I mean, almost a dozen, honestly. Like, I've replayed that thing just for moments and just like, what did they do there? Oh, yeah, that was great. Like, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it was kind of a temple. Tactics yeah. the same, right? Yeah, I mean, that's funny. I mean, we're well, obviously this is the same generation, and yeah. that, that left an, a lasting imprint. And yeah. I kind of think back, and you know, going on the side here, but I'm starting to introduce my kids. I have a seven-year-old uh, to gaming, and, and you know, just seeing the excitement she gets out of playing the Lego games, Aww. Disney Infinity. Um, so that's really what I'm playing most most now is just uh, the Lego games. And it, I actually introduced her to, to Star Wars and to the Hobbit films and to the Marvel Universe through through a lot of those games and you know she, the first thing she does every Saturday morning is daddy daddy can we play Lego Star Wars can we oh. play Infinity and it's like yes awesome. let's go and of course my wife's like I hey, already played enough uh, on Saturday you know but on Sunday but so I think um, just seeing what I saw yeah. you know decades ago and just how much gaming and, and those um, those brands that we yeah. all grew up loving are impacting her and I'm, tr I'm trying to, to basically geek her out make her a nerd like I am. You're a good dad. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well done. Uh, there's another loaded question. Who are your favorite Marvel characters? Cap. Done. 
Mic drop. No, like for real, Captain America. Oh man, I almost cried at that first Avenger movie. Like to live in an era, to be alive, and like it's one of those things. To be alive and imagining yourself again at like as a kid, and going, here's the thing that is never going to happen. And then come, and then like if I could time, that, you know, if I could time travel, I'd be like, dude, it's going to happen. In the future, there will be Cap on the big screen, and it's legit, and people will love it. And I was like, that was for me. It was like Captain America. Like everything that I would want to aspire to be that's that's that marvel character for me yeah i have, I have a popular choice and wolverine but you know in my defense when i when i was growing up in the frank miller series you know seminal stuff i quoted wolverine in my yearbook so yeah <laughs> did you really <laughs> super wow lame. super lame but uh you well, know i also which love quote? beast yeah what was it I'm, did you bub it you, you remember you? it it's it's I in know, your brain Professor, is it what i do yeah. what i do is very nice you know did you go so, around talking so to people did you go bar, hey right? bub did you do that one all the <laughs> yeah, time to people hey bub chomping on a cigar but, uh, but also I had a soft spot for, for Beast. And I think, uh, wow. you know, he wore glasses, he was a dork, yeah. you know, I don't know why I associated I mean, myself with him, but, <laughs> but no, he was, <laughs> he was a blue, furry, uh, ferocious looking dude, but deep down, yeah. you know, softy, you know, kind of goofball. That's true. So I, I think, I think that I one I think of, my only, my only other one would be Nova. I liked Nova only because he was like, he was thrust into this situation given these abilities and kind of had to figure stuff out for himself and failed a lot but then still like you know trying to do the right thing and came up and then look at him I mean he ended up look at him now right like the whole annihilation wave and like that storyline and like he just became this space epic hero and I always thought that was really something again somebody who like started Rocky Start but like did something with with his life I always thought that was really good so you need to share your love of Nova with our senior editor, Ben Morse. That was all right? Uh, he, I've never I, met a bigger Nova fan. He, yeah. he act, Actually, the way nice. he got started in this industry was um, uh, he had, like, a Nova fan site that was, like, really the Nova fan site and, it was, like, detailed his entire history, all his appearances Probably and everything. And, uh, uh, you know, some folks caught notice of that and that led to him getting a job at wizard and oh, uh, that's how he started was like this encyclopedic fan site of uh that's uh, awesome Nova. that's awesome yeah um so you guys are working on different titles different you know things for us can you without giving obviously there's a bunch of things we can't talk about but for what's available what we can talk about what uh what you think are your fans gonna be most excited about on the things you're working on sure so uh i'm the producer of the mobile slate uh, for for Marvel games. So, obviously, we have a lot of uh, live titles that um, you know. Now, when mobile games launch, it's just the beginning of what we hope is a, a long life cycle for each game. So, we have uh, Marvel Contest of Champions, Marvel Future Fight, Mighty Heroes, Spider-Man Unlimited, Marvel Puzzle Quest. Uh, just a ton of games that have been out for some time, but continue to you know find new ways to launch new content. Um, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly. So those games are taking up just a, a lot of my time. Obviously, making sure that we're um, we're we're pulling from the publishing wing, you know, timing storylines with uh, big events, also tied to our th- our theatrical movies that are um, you know, obviously ten poles for the company. So we're, we're really taking an approach of you know rather than launching uh, movie related games whenever uh, a new film launches, taking the existing catalog of our titles and really not rebranding them, but introducing new events, new characters, new storylines that are directly tied to those films. And so that's something that we did with Age of Ultron, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, several of the games launched uh, new characters, um, you know, exciting tournaments, Contest of Champions, for example, did uh, a new storyline in a 
quest event where uh, players were unlocking new new Avengers in a fight against Ultron, who had invaded the contest. Uh, so looking to do a lot more uh, of those types of events for for upcoming movies, upcoming events like Secret Wars. You know, and just to tease a little bit, we're, we're definitely thinking of that and how we can bring that storyline into uh, into all of our games. Uh, and just some really exciting stuff coming up. Some some new announcements coming soon. Um, I'm trying to think if I could share anything, but uh, you know, there's enough. There's enough. Just in the last week, we did we had updates to Spider-Man Unlimited. Uh, Mysterio finally introduced as the as the final member of the Sinister Six with his a level really awesome, uh, trippy, very mysterious, but just a, a trippy level design that the GameLoft New York team did a great job of uh, you know upping the ante and raising the bar on that level. Uh, Marvel Future Fight did a, a huge. A huge update with Guardians of the Galaxy, which you know fans are just eating up. Christian being uh, probably oh, the, the most dedicated yeah, feature fight fan. So we talk right every day, and I'm constantly like I'm constantly spinning my chair around, going Tim, Tim, feature fight, and I'm like just giving him like firsthand, in-depth analysis. Right, I'm QAing for you basically, right on the spot. Pretty much, pretty much. I'm always labor. on it. Oh yeah, it's free labor. <laughs> it's, it's labor of love. I actually really enjoy playing that game a lot. So. As do I. Yeah, it's great. It's a great game. Yeah, we're we're loving it, and you know, it's a new team that we're working with, Netmarble and Korea, doing a, doing a great job. It's really you know, a lot of the feedback is it's console level, you know. So we're we're getting there on smartphone, and then um, uh, Marvel Mighty Heroes, Marvel Puzzle Quest, Contest of Champions. Pretty much every week or every other week, those titles are launching new characters. Uh, you know, I think Magneto was just announced for Contest of Champions. Uh, so. Uh, Obviously, being a big X-Men fan, uh, very excited. He's got some, some really awesome skills and moves. So just, just continuing to, uh, to, to raise the bar. I use it a lot, but I think that's really what we're, we're looking to do on the, on the games team, specifically on the mobile side yeah. and on the console uh, side. I don't know about raising bars. I think we're crushing bars on, the, on my side. So I actually, um, so my focus is on the console as well as the PC right now. So I mean, we, we have, uh, um, we just uh, shown today here at the show, we uh, showing casing, we're still within Disney Infinity. Uh, they have their big Star Wars push for 3.0, but Marvel is still involved in that, so fans will be able to see the upcoming figures that we announced for the Hulkbuster uh, playable figure in the toy box, as well as Ultron from, uh, from the recent Avengers film. Um, uh, with more information coming later, that's all I can say right now. Uh, also, uh, we announced it uh, with the trailer just a few days ago, uh, the Avengers, Lego Avengers game. Uh, really excited about that. People are going to love checking that out. Um, and then, uh, as always, we'll have other updates. We have our live game right now with Marvel Heroes. Um, so there'll be some new exciting stuff coming in the future for that, too. I love Marvel Heroes. That, that game is a lot of fun and, like, so nerdy. Yeah. It is it's the, like, it's the, the nerdiest It's the fan service game yeah. for Marvel, for sure. Like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff. And there's, there's a lot of, you know, all new, all different on the way. <laughs> well said. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Um, are you guys on social media at all, or uh, are you trying to stay under the radar? Uh, I, I am uh, on Facebook and Instagram, uh, of course. Uh, but uh, past that, I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a lurker. <laughs> Fair enough. You're the one. I am the I'm, one. I'm, I'm sick the... of denying those requests. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys can tweet to at Marvel Games, and uh, I'm sure one of us will get the message to you if you have any questions uh, or comments for Mike or Christian, uh, Tim and Christian. Uh, Mike is later. Yes. <laughs> I think. Oh, yeah. He's, the bike show? The bike show the is bike later. Show. The bike yeah. show is a great show. Yeah. So we hear. <laughs> um, awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Thank guys. you. All right, guys, more E3 2015 excitement. Uh, H&M here inside the deep, deep area at E3. Uh, almost enemy territory, but with our good friends, I'm joined by... 
I'm Arthur Parsons, game director on LEGO Marvel Super and now LEGO Marvel Avengers. Damn straight. Very exciting. Yeah, boom, straight. It's super exciting and so exciting to be back with Marvel. Yeah. What does a game director, what does it mean to be a game director? Uh, I'm, I'm basically the guy that gets to go on all the jollies. Wow, the team worked really hard in the UK. Um, and as well as that, oh, uh, we do an awful lot of um, the sort of like design work. I- effectively, I lead the team and all the cool, creative, like talented people kind of like follow me. Um, so it's a great, it's a great job. It's like being a dentist. Because uh, I, I always think about this. The dentist has the dental technicians who do all like the crazy work and like get in there and have to get dirty with teeth stuff yeah. and then the dentist comes in two seconds like yep yep that's cool that's cool do this do this nope you're good see ya my, yeah my dentist just counts he just like <laughs> yeah one two three three two one and then he's his, his hands are clean and then she's the one vacuuming out all yeah. the gunk and the spit and yeah yeah i know what you mean it's it's good to not have to vacuum the gunk and get to have all the rewards <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so from going from the first Lego Marvel game to Lego Avengers. What did you want to see added, changed, you know, updated? For, for me, I just wanted to take everything that was great from Lego Marvel superheroes and then add to it via Avengers. So, you know, it, it's for us, it's a celebration of Avengers. We haven't told the story of Avengers and Age of Ultron. Um, so we're going to be doing that and more. But then we're also going to be, you know, going deep into Avengers. You know, can't really say more than that, but you know, this is this is Avengers, Avengers: Age of Ultron, more, and then it's classic comic book Avengers. So everyone else can make their minds up on that. <laughs> but for me, it, it, it's great to go back somewhere that I, that I feel at home, and then to be able to go out, have a whole new open world with a whole new cast of characters. Basically, you know, we're going to have over a hundred new characters that, that that we're gonna, you know, we haven't had in Lego game but we're going to have fun with. So over 100 new characters on top of many that we've seen before on, in some yeah, form or fashion. On, on top of the returning favorites. Yeah. yeah, And even the returning favorites are getting a facelift. So you know, Cap is now completely different in the way he moves and the way he feels. You know, obviously Black Widow, we've got Avengers Black Widow, and then we've got Age of Ultron Black Widow. With you know, She's got electric batons. She's got a new super cool outfit. And, and that applies for everybody. You know, we've got, obviously, we've got the new Hulkbuster, the Age of Ultron Hulkbuster. So there is the familiar stuff coming. But then there's going to be a whole load of new crazy secret stuff that, that when people see it, hopefully it'll blow their minds. So you guys at, two, at TT work on, um, seems like, like five games a year. It feels like because you've got so many cool big things going. How do you change the engine? And, and uh, do you guys look at trying to go from one game to another and, and not just from content, but from what the fans don't even really notice? Is there a big changes from game to game yeah there's, there's there's huge changes that no one really you know it, it, you recognize it but it's not in your face so you know we we do have we have a number of teams in the office and that's that's why we do what we do but you know i'll make sure that the, whatever game i'm working on the improvements in the engine and the technology that have been in the other games in the studio well i'm taking that stuff it's like hold on you've you've got what Right, I'm having that. You're doing what with your effects, with your lighting, you know, with the shadowing, with you know, even like really sort of for me the boring stuff under the bonnet of like your memory management or how you're streaming stuff quicker or any of that stuff. We'll we'll move it, and I'll be like, yeah, I'm taking all of that cool stuff, and then I'll add 
you know the creative elements that that make that game great. And the other game directors will be exactly the same. You know, I, I I've seen some things that that were in my mind that I got the tech guys to do on my games that have gone into other people's. So, and that that's that's why it's so great working with so many people, but in one really tight space, um, is that we can evolve and move things forward on every front. Um, the you have definite chops as a Marvel fan and we were having a great conversation yesterday that we can't talk about I know <laughs> uh, we can't talk about it yet well I'm sure we'll find time to chat over the next couple months but what what's your history with Marvel when did you start getting into the characters and the comics uh, for me it's a, it's, it's a long time ago when I was a kid it was difficult to buy comics in, in the UK um, yeah, back when I was a kid and so for me the comics I read were, were you know they were UK comics, you know, the 2000 AD. Yeah, I was, you know, whole kind of Mekons, and it, it was, it was stuff that that was slightly different. So my kind of baptism was with with the old Fantastic Four cartoon TV show, and then that gets your interest, and then from then on, it's a case of like rolling with it, and and you know, through the years, I've watched loads of cartoon shows, and and then it was you know having to mail order comics over from the states for ridiculous amounts of money back in the day, and you know now it's great because you know I've I've, I've got Marvel Unlimited, and then I'm ordering comics in, so you know I, I on the plane I had I had my Secret Wars two and three I hadn't read yet, so um, yeah it all came about through through UK comics. And then cartoons, and, and then you know, just finding those great stories, and and I, I absolutely adore when I get to experience those things. Like, I can't wait for Comic Con. You know, for me that is like mecca. I feel like I'm at home, and you're bumping into people. It's like, even that time when Dan Slott was in the audience, and he he stood up applauding me for a game. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 I should be applauding you. And and it's that. It just feels like home, you know. It's like it's where I feel I should be, and and there's guys on the team as well. We just we're geeks, and I think what I like about this sort of like era, you know, the last sort of ten years, it's actually finally cool to be a nerd and a geek. It never has been, and now <laughs> it is, and I'm reveling in it. I love it. It's pretty great. Um, what was your first game that you worked on? The first game. I worked on uh, as a as a tester um, back at Cygnosis uh, was Wipeout and Destruction Derby, which were great games on the PlayStation uh, PlayStation One. Um, when I moved to TT, the first game I worked on was Toy Story Two, um, which again was a great game. And so I, I worked on you know prior to the Lego games, Crash Bandicoot, Wrath of Cortex, um, Toy Story Racer, uh, Bugs Life, you know Finding Nemo, loads of cool games. Yeah. Um, and then you get into the Lego series, and, and I've I've absolutely loved it. You know, we did Bionicle, and then I've worked on Star Wars. You know, <coughs> Batman. Um, I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not familiar with that one. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, Marvel, Harry Potter. You know, it's just you know every day I go into work, and it's just it's new, and it's ex- I've been the TT 16 years, but it's exciting every day. Yeah. Um, and the team I've got is fantastic. Absolutely the best people to work with so um, I love it I love making video games you know I never planned to do it Um, I kind of fell into it by accident but hey it's great you mentioned um, being a tester starting out I was also a a tester for Acclaim 
Really? Uh, on I remember testing like BMX game and Shadow Man Two. It must be Dave Mirror BMX, something like that. No, it was the one with the boobs. Oh, okay. BMX Triple X, I think it was. <laughs> oh, okay. It was really weird. It was like because it was PlayStation Two era, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it was like, you know, looking back now, it was not the best graphics, and it was really weird. Like, why is this even a thing? Uh, at the time, though, at the time, polygons. Yeah, everybody was like, "Yeah, look at that! She's on a bike and she's naked." And uh, but like, it's it's interesting knowing that you can go from a position where you are the lowest of yeah. the low in that industry to a place where you're doing something so amazing. A absolutely, and you know, it, it's one of those things. I always, I, I do a lot of stuff back in the UK where I go and support university courses, and and I, I go in not to, to lecture them, but to kind of open their eyes. You know, when they when they go through that door on their first day at university, it's like, listen, guys, you're not going to be the next Cliffy B. Break this down. You're gonna have to work hard. This is not easy. Um, but for those that work hard, yeah, you can get in at the bottom of the bottom. I was a junior tester, a paid peanut, you know, absolute peanuts. And it, and it was working hard through that, going through, and then getting a job at TT, and again at the bottom, and, and then working my way through. And it's possible. Even now, it's possible. Even now, you can go to uni to learn about games. So I go on these courses, and it's like they're learning about games. This is amazing. Um, and I go into schools as well to try and help remind people mainly parents it's a real job making video games is a real job and um, it's something I love doing because I never had that when I was at school it wasn't a real job back then and, and so I like to do careers evenings and just get involved really because there are kids out there that they need a focus and, and if you can give them that focus that's basically listen you might not like maths but if you work hard at it you can get into making video games I can can use it for video games it's like yeah work hard at this and this and you can go and make video right i'm doing it and away they go and you know I, i've i've done that long enough now i've i've got people that have been kids they've written letters in saying thank you you know they're, they're off at, at their jobs now and it's just such a cool thing i really love seeing the industry grow it's amazing um what games influenced you in the way you you wanted like influenced the way you wanted to make games oh for me it's it, it's all classic platform games. You know, I, still to this day, if there's a game with too much story, um, I'm kind of, my interest's gone. I, I, I need the story to, to, to be very, very basic. Um, just, I, I have a bad attention span. And it's like, I, I need it to be, Bowser has stolen the princess, go and defeat Bowser. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm, I'm there. It, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's as simple as that. And, and growing up, it was that sort of thing, you know, the Alex, the kids, the, the sort of like the, you know, the Sonics and very quick arcadey stuff. You know, I loved my Dreamcast because it was quick arcadey getting, you know, Power Stone's a great game. Why is there not another Power Stone? Things like that, uh, are for me, is what games are. Um, fun games. I, you know, I still play Mario all the time. Um, you know, and, and I've loved every Mario, whether it's Mario Brothers, whether it's Mario Sunshine, with Mario 64. I, I, that's my genre of games, Jack and Daxter. The new Ratchet looks amazing. Um, you know, I like kids' games, and because I like kids' games, that's kind of, you know, where, where I've sort of enjoyed so much making kids' games. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I, long may it continue. You've, uh, aside from the Mario, you mentioned Alex Kidd, Sonic, Dreamcast. Were you a big Sega guy? 
I was a bit of everything. I, but, a bit but, of everything, yeah. but like I remember specific. I had an NES, but I didn't have a Super Nintendo until many years later. Okay. I had Genesis. Yeah. I had Saturn. I had 32X. I had Sega CD. I have a Nomad that I still pull out once in a while. And I just, I don't. I look back now. It's like I don't have those lines of like I was this, and so I'm always interested in in. When fans are like, oh, you have an Xbox? You should be playing on PlayStation or vice versa. Video games are awesome. Video yeah. games it, uh, should be accessible for everyone. Yeah, I remember I had a VIC-20 and I played Tomb of Druin, which was this like 20 by 20 maze room thing where you were a triangle and you ran around searching for like the elixir of life and stuff. And that was on a VIC-20. And I remember on the Amiga playing Millennium 2-2, um, you know, playing Speedball, playing you know, Sensi Soccer. There's so much, but... There's certain games that stick in your mind that that are epic, and and for me it was that that genre. Yeah, the Dreamcast was before its time, and and it was really unfortunate. But you know, there's so many great games. People shouldn't be thinking, oh, I can only, I'm going to be this fanboy or that fanboy. It's like just play games. It yeah. doesn't matter. The games are there to have fun. Have a handheld. Have a console. Play on your computer. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, for me, people should just have fun playing games. Right. When it comes to comics, though, you should only read Marvel. That's <laughs> So uh, we're you can gonna, say that I, I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my our, our listeners know what I mean, though. Um, I love everything. The uh, we're, we'll probably see you again before the game comes out. We'll do another one of these fun talks. But from the first Lego Marvel game, who is your favorite character to play? In the very first game, yeah, because we there's too many that we can't talk about in the in in Avengers. So yeah, there's loads we can't. We'll get to that later on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there were so many that were brilliant. Um, you know, I was really proud of, of, of what we did with Iron Man, yeah. with, with Spidey, um, Mr. Fantastic. You know, Stan was great to play as because he just had everything, everything. and every power. Um, I loved Squirrel Girl because you could just hold that special move and then like squirrels would come and then boom, everything would explode. <laughs> I think there was just so many. Um, yeah, I don't think I can pin it down to one. I've always, always been quoted as saying, like, the thing's my favorite Marvel character ever, and that's probably true. So the fact that he would run around saying clobber in time probably sells it, and, and it's a done deal. That's so. fair. Patrick, you have anything you want to add? No. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> all right, thank you, Arthur. Where can fans find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me at Arthur underscore Parsons, um, and, and hit me up, you know, ideas, suggestions, comments. Things that are great, things that are not so great, I don't mind. Just come, say hi. And uh, at Lego Marvel Game for updates about the title. Absolutely. Make sure you follow that. You'll get the news first before anybody else. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Wrapping up our big E3 Marvel extravaganza, I'm still Agent M, joined by... Uh, I'm still me. I mean, I'm still Mark Strom, a.k.a. Stromy, Marvel.com editor. And we are joined by... Uh, hey guys, this is Mike Jones. Uh, I'm the new executive producer at Marvel Games. I joined Marvel uh, October of last year. And joined by... Hey, True Believers, this is Bill Roseman, creative director of Marvel Games, just leaping over from publishing uh, to join Mike in uh, in December of last year. Yeah. Together we've been here six months. And uh, affectionately, you're called The Bike Show? The Bike Show. See, it's a very clever... I don't know if you'll get the combination, but if you take Bill plus Mike, you get the bike show. Oh, get Bill, that? Because Bill's get, name get, is Bill and my name is Mike. Yes, so together. So Mike, as opposed to Mill, which would just, we thought that, we thought yeah, Mike, it has Mill. the 
is the b and the i and the k. So coming to you soon, t-shirts, hats, it's happening. Uh, this week at Marvel listeners, you can hear right now the creativity driving Marvel games <laughs> is behind the bike show. That's right, that's right. We, we, we just share the, 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 the brilliant ideas back and forth like a ping pong all day, every day. Yes. We actually, we're actually office husbands. That's right, we share an office. We, we used to be office roommates, but now we're, I think, officially office husbands. Oh, till death to us, do us part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then here's why they combined it. It's very smart. So our boss, Jay, uh, in building uh, the, his new, assembling his new Marvel Games team, the, the idea was, you know, let's put the executive producer together with the creative guy because I could come up with all sorts of ideas, but if they cannot be turned into an awesome part of a game, then they're useless. And then at the same time, I'm just doing what I can to impart uh, the the years and years of crazy Marvel knowledge and current Marvel knowledge to game activities. So anytime a when Mike is talking about some cool activity of the game, I'm like, oh wait a minute, what if we did? What if we added this or added that? So together, we we do the yin yang of of making a game. He says together, but really, he just gets to come up with all these cool ideas, and me and the team of producers and all of our partners have to figure out how to make your dreams yes. come to life. It's a so thing. he just gets to be the dreamer, yes. and then we've got to run around and figure out how to bring Bill's dreams to life. So this is Bill. You pretty much have the per the ideal Marvel job pretty to much. just yeah. be like, yeah, let's do this cool thing. Yeah, because like. Uh, you know, well, it only took me 20 years of, of working at Marvel to get here, so that was, you know, it was quick. Small but price to pay. It's a beautiful thing is that, you know, I, I've, I've just gotten off the intense, like when you work in publishing, like you are in the trenches and you are, um, you know, running as fast as you can, trying to create the most awesome things and, and always looking at that deadline and their immediate deadlines. So from here, it's a, it's, a, it's a different experience. There are still huge deadlines that we, we, we must hit, we cannot uh, miss. But it's, uh, it, it can be less immediate than the weekly boom, boom, uh, boom deadlines. It's but that monolithic challenges yeah. that we all kind of have to... But that said, there's a mix of it because we're, we're working on all of our games, right? So from PC, console, mobile, and for the live, uh, live streaming games, we're constantly coming up with new content. So it's a mix of looking ahead at games we can't talk about yet, that we haven't announced yet. So it's a combo of creating for launch and also looking every day uh, at, our, at our live mobile games and, and thinking about how we can funnel all the cool stuff from publishing, from theatrical, from TV, right into the games. So it's a great mix of immediacy and then looking ahead. Um, so Bill, you mentioned a little bit about being at Marvel 20 years, and we'll get into that in a second, but Mike, what is your history? How did you get to Marvel? <clears throat> well, uh, my history right now is I think I'm losing my voice a little bit. It's, it's day two at E3, and uh, Mike you know, is like a modern day Wolverine. He, he has a... He, he he's has, dead? No, no, no. He has this like, journey. He's immortal? Healing factor? Is no, that no. <laughs> he has this samurai journey that has taken him through his career, he's he's gone to the east. He's come back to the west. Oh, but yeah. he, he has this, this fascinating yeah, okay. long adventure that brought him here. <clears throat> so, where did I start? Well, I, in a former life, I was an artist. Wait, right? What was in your bedroom on the wall? Well, that's what I'm gonna get to. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, see, office husbands. Yes, office we, husbands. We, you yeah. definitely do Finish not each need other's sentences here. and stories. 
Yeah, Strom's just looking at me like, when do I get to talk? I, I get to hold Mike's microphone for him. <laughs> Um, so uh, I was a, I was an artist in a former life, and and uh, you know immediately drawn to Marvel's universe and characters, and you know the Jim Lee era of X Men. But Spider Man was always you know my my idol, my hero growing up. Peter Parker is so relatable, and I had a and I would trace the comics, and I would try to copy all the line work, uh, and I had a Sal Buscema like Spider Man cardboard standee right. in my room that I won, and like a second grade. Uh, it was like one of those, one of those, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Art contest? Fundraiser selling candy, going door to door, and like whoever sold the most, and there's like different prizes and stuff. And that was, the, I was like, I don't know, number three or something. And so they, you know, somebody else got a, got a trip in a limo or something like that or whatever. But, but you, I was like, I was like, I don't care if I'm first or last, I'm getting that Spider-Man. I saw it up there. Yes. So you I won got the, it. You I won the best prize. I put it up over my desk and it inspired me every day to like, you know, draw, draw, draw. And um, anyway, one thing led to another, and, and I always loved games, loved characters, loved animation, was a huge nerd, Dragon Ball, um, and I didn't, you know, back then there was no, there was no, like, curriculum to get into video games, right? It was just... There was no games. internet. So, so I never even considered that as an option, right? I was just like, oh, well... I, I can go to Hollywood and, and, and maybe be somebody's assistant and sharpen pencils and get coffee for 20 years, and then maybe I can make a movie, right? That might be cool. Um, but I was always interested in characters and storytelling and, and, and art and creative expression. And, and uh, so I ultimately ended up going to um, film school. So I went to the Wait, University I of have Texas. To, I have to interject. Oh, what happened at Wet n Wild? Oh, you want to tell like my first? Okay, so here, but here was okay. Here was my. This is the good stuff. There's, there's so many facets to this. To this, I, I haven't strung the whole epic saga together into one cohesive story. So bear with my sporadicness. <laughs> um, so all right, I'll tell the Wet n Wild story. So this was uh, this was actually something I talked about um, with the Marvel guys before joining the team. Was you know what was my like favorite superhero game like that it was not favorite marvel game it was just a superhero game and of course you can answer that question a million different ways with a million different criteria but there was an experience that had an impact on me for the rest of my life which was we had a some water parks in texas called wet and wild and uh i went to wet and wild one day i mean this is before the internet this is before online gaming this is before his stuff just after the yeah, when you the had a, discovery of fire yeah exactly Dinosaurs right, right. Still we, walked we made our, our our flintstones vehicle to get to <laughs> wet and wild with our feet and our stone wheels yes. and when we got there i mean this is when you had to like go to the pizza parlor to find out what are the new arcade games right you couldn't just like look that up anyways well word of mouth anyway so i'm there with my friend's family i was like the guests they get to invite on their birthday party to like go to wet and wild right so i'm not there with my parents or my and we're doing water slides, all this kind of stuff. And I had to go to the bathroom. On the way to the bathroom, I saw that there was an arcade. And I was like, of course, magnetic. I have to go into this arcade. So I go into this arcade. And walking into the arcade was the brand new, full-size, like, dynamo cabinet. Remember those old cabinets that had, like, the 30, I think they were two, 32 or 37-inch monitors? Oh, yeah. There were separated controllers and had the big surround speakers. And it was just larger than life, right? You come in there, and it's X-Men Children of the Atom. Right, and it's these characters that are massive on screen. They're animating, and they have voices, and they're like jumping up and down, doing super moves. Uh, just came to life, just jumped off the screen, and I probably stood there awestruck for like five minutes, just watching. I was like, you could play the villains too. You could be the bad guys, Sentinel, right? And had 
had uh, it had like a crazy obscure kit. Spiral was in there. And uh, anyway, so I'm sitting there looking, and then I go, I need money. I need to play this thing. I have any money, and I couldn't ask my like friends' parents for money. So then I started digging around and like, you know, phone like pay phones, <laughs> disgusting, yeah. begging, and begging like, for, for yeah. orders. Yeah, like look anywhere that I can, and I found like a, like I found like a dime, and then a nickel, and I was able to like trade that up to somebody for like a quarter. And play the game, and of course, you know, you get a few matches in, and you're still learning the game. And then you lose, and you can't continue. So then I got to go find another quarter. Anyway, so I spent the whole rest of the day at Wet and Wild just trying to find quarters. Did, what, to did play your this friend's game. parents ever notice that they had lost one of the children they brought to the park for like four hours? Parenting, I, was, yeah, parenting was different back then. I think as the sun was setting and the park was closing up, they did find me, <laughs> yeah. and it was like a relief that they didn't have to tell my parents that they lost me. And, and they knew he was at in the a water safe park. place because what else would you have at a water park? Than a room full of electronics yeah. plugged in. Exactly. It's okay. He's in the room with all the, the yeah. plugs and so, the sparking so anyway, machines. It's perfectly perfect at a wet and wild. So anyway, we get back home, and of course, I'm telling my brothers. I got two younger brothers about this fabled, legendary game that I had never seen before. And of course, we go to the we go to the mall. We go to Tilt in the mall. It's not there. We go to the pizza place. Not there. Right. We go to the other arcade across town. We beg our mom to take us. Not there. We go to Putt Putt Golf. Right, it's not there. Right, where we didn't know where to find it. So the only place I knew it existed was Wet and Wild. Right, and that's like you know fifty dollars admissions for everybody and all this kind of stuff. So like for a month during the summer, I'm like working my mom over to try to take us back to Wet and Wild just so I can play this video game. She's thinking, wow, you really yeah. love water slides. Yeah, it's really your thing. Yeah, <laughs> and finally, and finally, we got her to take us. And of course, I spent the like I, I saved up on mowing lawns and stuff to save up my lawns to go. Playing all day long, and uh, I got I got totally sunburned playing X Men: Children of the Atom at Wet n Wild. Uh, it was outdoors. <laughs> yeah, well, it was like better. It was like an, it, no well, coverage. It was, so sun, it, it didn't have to. It was it was, it was like a gazebo kind of thing. It was like a gazebo thing. It, it, so I'm very. You can't see me on the podcast, but I'm very fair skinned and so just a little bit of light. I could just take out the trash and I'll get sunburned. And that's how we got like, red hair. What, but it was like third degree burns, blisters, like. I mean, you know, we paid the price. This is how Wet n Wild used to get new arcade games, is it would rain, and all the arcade games out yeah. in the open would just get short-circuited. So they'd have to buy a whole new... Uh, there you go. A whole new... Or just kids would come in with wet, you know, yeah. towels and right. hands. And Grab the anyway. control and... Uh, yeah, anyway, so I saw that game, and I was like, that is a superhero game. That is a Marvel game. All the characters came to life. It was, it was all the characters that I had read, that I'd watched in animations, that I had imagined... And you could interact with them in a way you couldn't in any other medium, right? And it was just, it was amazing to me, right? And then that was the game that ultimately became a long string of the, the fighting games. And, and, you know, Marvel did a, a bunch of games with, with Capcom and Activision, a bunch of folks, and, and played all of them, right? All of them. And then Spider-Man 2 came along and the PS2 era, and that was like, broke the mold of like, what the open world city? That was new, and now I can... I don't have to drive around in a car. I can swing on rooftops and go down to the street and fight back. It was just like mind blowing, right? And uh, and and Marvel always seemed to be at the cutting edge of that stuff. And so it's just an honor to now be a part of it and making new stuff. Um, so you went was, from Wet and Wild to Marvel, like yeah, well, yeah, so, well, so yeah, so. You went to Asia. You're working for Capcom. Yeah. So the rest you're of the doing s- translations. So yeah. So the rest of the I'm story. I'm telling is, you, this should be a movie. Yeah. So the rest of the story is I went to. With this little stick in his the 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 bindle the the bindle. He's 
riding the rails? Yeah, the rest of the story is I went to the University of Texas uh, film school. I grew up in Dallas, right? So, Texas, so it was close. A lot of my friends were going there. They had a great um, film program, but they also had a great arcade right by campus. That was kind of what clinched the deal for me. Um, so, Lucky this college yeah. because they had a good arcade. Yeah, that's, Einstein's Arcade. That's how you, that's rest logical. in peace. It's gone now. It's like a Froyo place. Uh, but, but it, you know, I made a lot of lifelong friends. I was actually just a really good friend of mine's wedding a couple weeks ago that I met at that very arcade. Nice. Um, but anyway. For, for <clears> his <throat> wedding present, did you give him a roll of quarters? Was that? Yeah, no, actually, you know what? I bought one of the Street Fighter machines that was in that arcade, and I have it in storage. And one wow. of my goals, when I buy a house one day, I want to get all of them, everybody that played there that we met, to sign it, and I want to restore it, and I put it, but I have it stored away. And back you have to in hang Texas. out in the clothes you wore, yeah. the shrunken T-shirts. Yeah, because they had like a 20-year lease on that place, and then the rent got so high that they couldn't stay there anymore. So they auctioned all their games off, and I showed up and I bought one of the machines. And screen was kind of, you know, grimy, and the speakers were blown out, and the controls are that. But I'll restore it one day. I'll restore it to its former glory and pay its proper respects. I've just been moving around so much, I don't know where to put it. So. Right. Anyway, so film school. I'll do the fast version. Film school, but then. I was also a huge nerd, so I started learning Japanese, which my dad was like, why are you learning when you just go to business school and get a job and go do business? And I was like, oh, well, I, I, like, I like video games and, and comic books and, and, and Japanese animation, so I want to do that. And, uh, and uh, talked my way into uh, uh, an internship study like a study abroad program that I went to where I just stopped going to school like I just stopped showing up classes because I talked myself into this like internship at this localization company I actually went over there and I was gonna intern that's right it's all coming back to me. I was gonna intern <laughs> at a I was I was gonna intern at, at a place called Napalm Films right which is where the Japanese director Yuhei Kitamura like makes his films um, if you've ever seen uh, well anyway I won't go into all that but anyway I had, I had this I had this uh, internship lined up and uh, it fell through. They were gonna go be shooting offsite, and I was just gonna sit in an empty office for like six months. So I was like, screw that, I'll find something else. And I started looking online at like Japanese websites of like Help Wanted and whatever. I found this weird, you know, ad written in kind of like broken English that was like, like video games? Do you speak native English? Like, you know, do you wanna play video games for money? Game and on. I was like, I was like, what universe is this? Like, is this a trick? Am I gonna get kidnapped and ransomed yes. back to my family? Um, and I answered the ad liver. and I showed up to this place. And sure enough, it was a localization company that did, you know, you know, photocopier service manuals and Harley Davidson flyers and toy toy packaging for like transformers and stuff. And the president that started this little company was good friends with, you know, some Konami producers and some Capcom producers and some Sega guys. And so they were starting to get some game like translation and QA business. And they just wanted, you know, people like me that were kind of exchange students who could speak English and love games and would work for nothing. Um, to come in and do all this. And so I started doing all this, and that was kind of my foray into games, and I started translating game scripts and, and QAing game, you know, localized games, and then ultimately ended up doing, like, voice casting and voice direction, um, and then got, got to work on the Metal Gear series, which I'm a huge fan of. What, what I, 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 I worked on um, with a guy named Eric Bailey at the time who worked at Intact. This company was called Intact. Uh, it was Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater. So, like, he and I, like, translated that whole script and all the grunt dialogue and all the radio 
radio, millions of hours of radio dialogue between all those characters with all the like film references for James Bond and Godzilla and is all this kind of crazy is there, stuff. Is there a difference in the translated grunts? Is there a difference? Is well, yeah, actually, there kind of is. Like, if you if you play the Japanese version right. of Metal Gear, like the way they're like, huh? What was that noise? Huh? Like the little AI guys ah, that are walking around. Okay. They're all they are all very different in different languages. Okay. But anyway, um, so that was like my 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 localization opus, right? I was like, all right, I'm done. And then I went back, and I was still planning to go back into film. I was like, I'm gonna graduate. I'm gonna go, you know, finish school. I'm gonna go out the west with all my buddies. I'm gonna work at an agency. I'm gonna be somebody's bitch for you know, 20 years, and then maybe I could do something cool. Um, but I I realized, I was like, well, localization is enough. I'll just put a resume together and start walking around and going to different dev studios. I did try to get jobs at QA before I went to Japan, and everybody laughed me out of the building. I, I must have gotten, you know, ignored by like 20 different companies in the area. And uh, anyway, finally uh, did find a great fit at Midway, and I worked at Midway Games, and it was right when they were starting PS3 and 360. Unreal 3 had just come out. Right, the new systems weren't even out. We were still making games on PS2 and GameCube, um, and so we were just learning how to crack open Unreal 3 and how to make these big, new, modern kind of action games. And I worked there for I don't know, almost five years uh, in the Austin studio. And they shut that whole thing down. We put a, a gravestone in the front yard when we went out of business. <laughs> Um, and then I worked with the Naruto license at a Japanese company called Takaratomi. We made some fighting games, some action games out of Naruto, which if you don't know, it's fantastic. It's like Harry Potter ninjas and, you know, it's just the fighting games that we worked on and the developers that we worked with, fantastic games. And that was a lot of like license, Japanese licensing. So it was like a totally different thing than internal development in Midway. Um, and then I was at Capcom. I went to Capcom Tokyo, actually. I was in the Tokyo office, worked on Resident Evil, worked on Dead Rising. Uh, we did the Dead Rising 3 exclusive deal with Microsoft, so I moved from the Tokyo office to Vancouver, which is where our dev studio was, to finish that through. Launched Dead Rising 3 in 2013, followed up with the uh, exciting Super Ultra Dead Rising 3 Arcade Remix Hyper Edition EX Plus Alpha DLC that we released last year at E3. So last year Look at E3, it up on Google, it's awesome. Yeah, last year, when I was here last year at E3, we were dropping Super DR3 um, for Xbox One, and uh, now here we are today. So. That was, I don't know, I feel like I just I, I just talked you. a whole Wasn't bunch. That epic? It's like, it's yeah. like And I was uh, all over the damn place, but you know, there's some other things in between, I guess. But yeah, I've been around a little bit. I'm like, wasn't that the plot of Wolverine by Claremont and Miller? <laughs> yeah. I think it was that. I can, 100%. Yeah. There was a bear in there, I remember. Yeah. That's yeah. different. That's but the only difference. Other than yeah. that. Yeah, and the yeah. bear's right in the beginning. So. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you have to fight ninjas as well? You always have to fight ninjas. Always. I mean, actually, once once you've gone to Japan, they just they'll follow you around the world like constantly. They want to keep testing them and getting revenge. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, like if you've if you've if you've seen what like actually that's something that blew my mind. The first time I went to the the uh, development studio because I was a big Capcom fan growing up, and when I started working there, I had to take trips to Osaka, is where they have the big main dev studio. 17 floors of dev teams working on all these amazing games. And you had to fight your way up each floor? You have to fight your way up each floor with the ninjas, nice. and there's a boss at the top on the mocap studio. Uh, so yes, that is epic. Yeah. Uh, Bill, what about you? What has your journey been? Because oh, you've been a little bit around the, the block as well. Yeah, so, you know, it, basically my, my spider bite moment happened when I was in um, first or second grade about seven years old, I go into a book fair that they have at school, and I see a, um, a reprint book 
Amazing Spider-Man. It was Amazing Spider-Man Volume Two. It was issues seven through thirteen of the original Amazing Spider-Man by by uh, Stan uh, and and Steve Ditko. And that was it. I read it, and that it changed my life. And that hero was different from any other hero I had seen before. And from that moment, um, that was my focus: comic books. And became an English major because I wanted to somehow make comics. And um, okay, quick story. Spring break. Not see, not quick I, like my my quick. My quick was like not quick at all. Let's see. I'm in. Uh, I was a senior uh, at school, and I had a buddy who knew someone at Marvel. So for spring break, when all my friends went down to Mexico to party, I went to Newark, New Jersey, where my mom lived. Thank God, because she was right across the river from Manhattan. I go in. Um, I hand my resume, and uh, it is not thrown out. And I get back home to school, and I get a call from Steve Saffel, who was editing a, uh, it was a magazine called Marvel Age at the time. And Steve called me up and said, hey, I see you have experience writing for your school paper, and you also know Marvel. When you get out, hey, maybe look me up. Maybe I'll give you an assignment for Marvel Age. And I, I literally almost, I remember I was sitting in this office where I was doing work at school and I almost fell out of the chair. I was so excited because I'm like, Marvel Age, I buy Marvel Age. That was in my head. On the phone I was just like, yes sir, thank you sir. And I showed up and my first assignment was, this is 93, and we were doing a, a, a string of comics called Music Comics. And it was... Uh, Did you work on Billy Ray Cyrus? Oh, I wish. Uh, I missed Billy Ray. I was Actually, I was working with a, a rapper named KRS-One who I knew and loved because he was on, he sang on an R.E.M. song and I was a huge R.E.M. fan. So my first assignment was, oh wait, so the music comic, you got a comic and a cassette and you would read the comic and then play the, 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 the cassette and I can't believe it didn't catch on. But anyway, my first assignment was I'm on the roof. Those are actually like huge in Japan. They do these little CD and cassette like book things. It's crazy. So I'm on the roof of the Marvel building. It's myself, it's KRS-One. And it's a guy in a Spider-Man costume at a photo shoot. And I said, I'm done. I can quit right now. I've made it. So that was it. I, was, I wrote for Marvel Age for a while. Finally got on staff writing, writing the Marvel previews catalog. I did that for a while. And got into marketing. I didn't know what it was. But that was my way in. And I uh, figured it out. And then, um, this is back in the 90s, during the, 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 the bad days, the good old bad days of the bankruptcy. And I came back from my honeymoon. And a lot of my friends uh, were unfortunately let go. But what it created was opportunity. And I said, well, who's going to edit the catalog now? And they said, you are. So I had to learn to not only to write copy, but then figure out how to be an editor. And then I just started kind of guerrilla marketing, doing marketing for Marvel. And, uh, and here's a true story. I finally said to my bosses, hey, you should make me the marketing manager. And they said, ah, fine. Because back then, we didn't know how long we were going to be around. This is before we were finally uh, acquired by Disney. And so they said, fine, you're the marketing manager. On the way home, I stop at Barnes & Noble, and I buy marketing for dummies. And I read it that weekend, and I say, I can do this. <laughs> and then I wrote the blog column, Your Man at Marvel. I did that. Uh, and then finally left, went to the Distinguished Competition, came back. Joe Casada called me up. I came back, asked me to edit the Cosmic books. So I was able to launch Nova and do Annihilation Conquest and launch Guardians and had that whole run with Dan and Andy for a good five years. And, uh, and then finally, I just, uh, I met Jay Ong, who was, who was putting together the, the, the Marvel Games team. But before that, oh. I think one of the cool things, uh, you were on the custom team, working on a lot of those things. Yes. And then 
one thing I always find really cool is the the blue the blue ear, the blue ear. Uh, sure. which I think is a really cool like touch okay. point for us as a company and doing something really neat. So here I'll try and keep this quick too. I'm, I'm working on in custom solutions. That's when we create comics, pinups, you name it, for all of our partners that we work with who work with us on say on on in. You know, it's saying Captain America, the first Avenger, he rides a Harley Davidson, and then we do a program with him. And like on that, I got uh, Adam Kubrick drew Harley poster. That was awesome. He's, he's a Harley fan. Anyway, we create comics and art and all this stuff. One morning, it's like a Tuesday morning, raining, it's cold. I have a, meetings I have to go to. I turn on my computer. There's a wall of email, as there always is. And one email, the title, the subject line just says help. And it's not, and, it's, and it was written into the mheroes at marvel.com address. And it's not an email uh, uh, praising or complaining about a comic. It's from this mom, Christina, saying that her son, Anthony, didn't want to wear, wear his hearing aid that morning. And they called it Blue Ear because it was made of blue plastic. So she said, Anthony, why not? And he said, well, mama, superheroes don't wear hearing aids. And so he, even, he knew at that age, he was about four, he knew he was different. So Christina did what every good mom does. Uh, she lies to Anthony and says, of course superheroes wear blue ears. And he says, really, which ones? And she says, I'll tell you after school. Put it in and go to school. She drops him off, she comes running back, and she writes the email, and she, she's like, I gotta tell him. He can't think I lied. Because she did, I'll say this, she had an idea that there must have been a hero that wore hearing aid, because she knew Marvel's history of characters with challenges. Whether it's Matt Murdock, who's blind, Professor X, who's in a wheelchair, she knew that, that there, there was very likely a, a character who maybe was deaf at Marvel. So I'm about to delete the email because I'm a jerk and I have these meetings to go to. And just when my finger is about to hit delete, I stop and I think to myself, what would Peter Parker do? Because all of us at Marvel, are, are it's ingrained in us. With great power, there must come great responsibility. And, you know, we don't have a lot of power, but the power we do have is knowledge the Marvel characters, and we work at a company that people care about. And so I just thought, what would Peter do? He would he would help in some way. So I sent the email around to all of editorial. I said, can anyone think of a character who wears a hearing aid, or can maybe someone have time to draw somebody? And Tom Brevoort emailed me back and said, hey, remember Hawkeye? And I'm like, right, in the 80s, Hawkeye, there was a story where he was trapped in a rubble. He had to use a sonic arrow to get out. It burst his eardrums, and he went deaf. And Tony Stark made him a hearing aid. This all happened in the Hawkeye miniseries that Mark Grunewald wrote. So I found a West Coast Avengers cover with Hawkeye and all the Avengers heads around him. And I sent a, a, a JPEG of it to Christina. I said, Christina, tell Anthony that not only do superheroes wear hearing aids, but a world-famous Avenger, Hawkeye, wears hearing aids. And tell Anthony if he wears his hearing aid, we will make him an honorary Avenger. And we thought, and we thought uh, that was it. Good day done. But then uh, two guys at Marvel, Nelson Ribeiro and Manny Medeiros, took it upon themselves to draw a character named Blue Ear. Based just on the mom's uh, uh, email and my email about Blue Ear, I shared it and, and I come in and, and it was Nelson first who works in our trade, in our collections department. He drew this awesome character named Blue Ear, full color. And uh, Blue Ear says, you know, he hears, when, when people uh, yell for help, Blue Ear hears and leaps into uh, action. So I sent that to Christina, and I said, Christina, here it is. Here's, here's a superhero blue ear. I hope Anthony likes this. Christina contacts us three weeks later. She says, Bill, you don't understand. This uh, picture has changed Anthony's life. He, uh, we have to print it out multiple times. He 
because he takes it everywhere and it gets muddy and we have to put it in plastic sleeves and his fellow uh, students at school see it and they're excited and the, and the teachers are excited and they had a superhero week and then uh, his mom made him Blue Ear t-shirts and he's known in town as Blue Ear and he was the Grand Marshal of his Halloween parade. So it all comes from simple acts, just, you know, responding to an email, someone drawing some art, and it changed a, a kid's life. So that's what I always say, we at Marvel and Marvel fans have a responsibility to use our knowledge for good. Well said. All right, off of that tangent, you met Jayong, who's head of Marvel Games. Yeah, so we're at one of our, it's crazy. Good, it's like you've done this before. You don't have to keep them on track. We're at one of our Marvel summits, right? Where all of editorial gets together. Something I would have always loved to have been at when I was 12 years old. So it's all of editorial, and it's always 8 to 12 of our top writers, and we sit around a room for three days, and we scream at each other about what our heroes would or would not do. And, hey, that's how the Civil War story was born. It was born in one of those summits. And they're awesome. So one day I'm there, and Jay's there, and it's during lunch, and, and, and I just, he's walking by, I introduce myself, I'm, hey, who are you? And we, we start talking, and he starts picking my brain about Marvel. What do I think about Marvel? What's, what's, you know, how do we view our heroes? How do we view our villains? How do we view our stories? What's important to Marvel? And, and so I, I'm just blabbing on. And finally I said to him, oh, what do you do? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm the new VP of Marvel Games. I said, oh, I, I didn't know who he was. And I said, that was cool. And we, had a, and we just had a fun conversation. Fast forward a few months, I see this position open, creative director. And a true story is someone else asked me about it. A writer asked me about it and said, Bill, could you recommend me for this position? I said, well, let me read it first. What's it about? And I read it, and the more I read it, I'm like, this is me. If anyone's going to do this job, I'm going to do this job. And so I, I just reached out to Jay. I said, I don't know if you remember me, but it's intriguing to me. And he's like, of course I remember you. You were, you were the nice guy. We, had, we, we chatted for an hour. And we just talked, and I asked him just more about the job and about the department and what Marvel had cooking in Marvel Games. And um, I just thought, you know, I, I did a lot of things at Marvel, and I always like to keep jumping and doing new things. And I said, you know, our comics reach a certain amount of people, and that's awesome. Our games reach a, an, an exponential number of them. You know, if you're lucky, you can put out a comic that, that sells you know, 50,000 issues, and we think that's great, and it's awesome, and I love it, and we're grateful for every single reader. But you can put out a free game, and if it's good, like Contest of Champions, it's downloaded 60 million times. So I said, if there's gonna be someone who's helped making sure that the games are authentic, that it's the right characters in the right costumes with the right dialogue, the right abilities, we're telling the right stories, we're attaching Marvel writers to it, if anyone's gonna do that, I wanna do that, because I wanna help generate the new generation of Marvel fans. And like my 10-year-old self at Wet n' Wild, you get to interact with those characters yes. in ways you can't in any other it's, medium. It's crazy. We, 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 it's uh, when you, you know, you're so used to seeing the, the character static on a page, and the movies only come out so often. So to be able to play a game daily where you're seeing these characters in action, and because of the, the, the live streaming, if we are able to look ahead, because I'm in constant contact with all the editors in publishing, and they're sending me sketches and they're sending me scripts. And if I can look ahead and know that, you know, this character is going to have a new costume in seven months, I can get on the phone now with one of our game partners, and we can say, "Hey, this character is going to have this new look with these new characters. Would it be cool for the game?" And then we do. Then that's what happens when we we debuted in Spider-Man Unlimited. We announced, "Hey, 
Jessica Jones has a new Spider Woman costume. And you Jessica can Drew. Just, I'm sorry, Jessica Drew. Fired. Just, You're I done. Done. <laughs> Bye. But see, I have Jessica Jones on the mind because we know she's coming. Her Netflix show is coming. Bill, Bill, did you spoil that Jessica Jones is going to be the new Spider Woman for everyone? Uh, well, no. Well, I'll tell you a true story. I'm sure everyone knows that Ben was a huge Jessica Drew fan and, and originally wanted it to be uh, Jessica Drew. And they yeah. said, no, no, it can't yeah. be Jessica Drew. And that's why Jessica Jones... And now you know the real story. No, but with that, when we announced that, hey, Jessica Drew has a new Spider-Woman costume, and we said, and now you can play it today in Spider-Man Unlimited, people get so excited and their heads explode. So we want to do more of that. We want to say, here's a new series, here's a new character, and you can play it right now in this game, and that's totally cool. So we want to do more of that. <laughs> Definitely. And that's Yeah, I mean, that's Bill meeting Jay, but I remember uh, the first time I met Bill was on the phone. Right, because I was I was still up in Vancouver. I yeah. was going to move down to LA. He was still out in New York. Yeah, and I got I got I got to the office in October. You didn't get there till December. Correct. So there was a period of about two months where, you know, the, I mean, the first time I heard Bill, I mean, he's just you know the most just like you guys at home on the podcast know now that he is an enthusiastic, genuine, eloquent, just you know, beautiful Aww. sounding man. Shucks. And when I when I heard him, when I met him on the phone, he was just this disembodied, you know voice for like two months that I was in love with, right? It's like having a pen pal that you, and then when we finally met and the chemistry was real, it was just, you know, we, we've had dreams about each other. That's I'm true. not going to lie. I've, I, yeah. I dream of my confidence yeah. now. So, I don't doubt it. Yeah. yeah the first time I, I to talked to this guy on the phone, I was like, I can't wait. But it's funny, it's just, we, we both, we both came from different locations at different times, different experiences, but connected with this lifelong love of the Marvel characters and of storytelling of comics and games and right now we feel that Marvel games it's we feel like we're the center it's like we're the center of a wheel and there's theatrical and there's animation and there's TV and there's publishing and we're in the middle and everyone we're all talking to each other and it's funny coming out here I feel more connected than ever to publishing because we, we talk so much and share so much and I feel so much information is coming into us from all the divisions of Marvel um, it's just an amazing amazing um, place to be it's awesome uh, we gotta wrap up real soon but the hard question right. for each of you favorite Marvel character and favorite video game could be a series or a title okay favorite Marvel character of course Spider-Man uh, speaks to the heart of Marvel uh, the revolutionary character, uh, uh, first teen character, uh, broke the mold of what a hero could be, made everyone realize that they can be a hero, and to this day is, you know, just, you say the name Spider-Man and it brings smiles to people's faces just worldwide. One, I think one of the greatest characters, not only in conflicts, but in, in the history of literature. I truly feel Peter Parker is such a towering, complex, interesting, endlessly fascinating and entertaining character. Now let Mike talk and I'll think about my favorite game. Yeah, you were stalling so well. It was great. Well, how do you follow that answer? Uh, I actually, I actually kind of have a, a, an easy uh, answer, but it, it's true, which is Wolverine has always resonated with me. Uh, because, because you guys shared the same journey. We shared a very similar journey. I mean, that's where I got my claws was in not that he got his claws in Japan, but that's where I got my That's right. You learned your stripes. Your stripes. Yeah, exactly. I learned the way of the samurai yes. of making games. Yes. It's like, that's the sequel to the Tom Cruise movie. Anyway, 
Um. <laughs> no, really, his, 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 his chops, the sideburns. Actually, for a long time, I had pretty rockin' Wolverine chops, but I, I go, once, once I went up into the, the old Northwestern wilderness, uh, then I went full hipster beard. Okay. I know. Um, so, Wolverine, and then I'll, I'll, do, I'll do game. It's hard to, it's hard to measure, um, I mean, favorite game. Uh, I'll measure it, I'll measure it in, in, in hours and in friendships. Um, I think that I have, I mean, there are some games that are amazing works of art, right? There are some games of different genre, like what's your favorite game in all these different genres? I could talk about that for years. But if I'm, if I'm totally honest about uh, the game that's probably had the most profound effect on my life is probably Street Fighter III Third Strike. I played more hours of that game. I went to more tournaments and competitions. I made more lifelong friends playing that game and being on the arcade scene and the tournament scene and traveling. Um, and then, and even in Japan, I made friends playing that game. Um, and then ultimately getting to work at Capcom and meet some of the guys that made that game. I think that game has been more a part of my life than any other game that I just enjoyed playing. Well said. I'll tell you, the game that stands out to me most, and it's similar, it's funny, it's similar to, to, to Mike's Wet and Wild Story. I was walking on the boardwalk in Wildwood, New Jersey, where my grandmother lived. And I'm walking along the boardwalk, and you know, up on the boardwalk they have different shops, and there was an arcade on the boardwalk, and I see this huge crowd standing outside the arcade, and I'm like, what is going on? And I look, and there was a game called Dragon's Lair, which featured art by Don Bluth, and it was a fantasy game. And it was, they had, they put TVs on top of the game so you could watch what people were playing. And it was so jaw-dropping and revolutionary and beautiful and, and you'd never seen anything like it. It was a cartoon that you were playing and it attracted this crowd. And so our goal today now at Marvel Games is to have the same effect. We want to create games that gather crowds that drop Jaws. We want people to be blown away by what we are creating with our partners. Because what do we want our games to be? Authentic. Authentic. Exquisite. Exquisite. And sexy. And by that we mean sexy. You want it. it your jaw is dropped. It your eyes are wide. You, you we... must have it. The way, the way my t attention was commanded at Wet n Wild, the way your attention was commanded yes. on the boardwalk, right? You can't wait to tell your friends about it. You can't wait to, to, to get back into that world, get home from work, get home from school, whatever you're doing, escape back into that world, interact with those characters, experience those stories, um, and, and really, really, do, you know, do something, what did I say? Authentically sexquisite <laughs> with, you know, Hashtag Marvel. authentically yeah. sexquisite. Yeah. You heard yeah. it here first. TM. TM, authentically sexquisite TM. Going to the bone um, zone. Yeah. Uh, perfect, guys. That was fantastic. That was great. Thank you, gentlemen. Cool. And thanks for Isabel, being gentle. Isabel has to say hello. Oh, our creative assistant. Yes. Talk about a true believer and Hi, lifelong everyone. fangirl. Isabel is here, and she's living the dream. And she, uh, every day, she is making sure all of our game partners have the latest and greatest ref and reading all the dialogue, making sure it's right. And I'm telling you, we, we bust our butts. Day in, day out, sweating the details. We want these games to be right and authentic, and what we talked about. So cool. we'll, and we'll do, we'll do a whole part two about 
our different game, game partners yes. and what they do and how we work with them yeah. and how we build games and the types of games that we build and the complexities involved and, and the nitty gritty of, of where the, the creative Bill Roseman juices come from and go and it's like a squeeze of lemon on yeah. top. But I, what I really want to do is one year from now, yeah. when we're in this place one year from now having this conversation and I want people to, to look listen back at this and then listen to that and it's going to be amazing. And, and that's we, all I want to say. And we can talk then about the games that we were planning yeah. and talking about it now. So we've been meeting nonstop yeah. every day with partners talking about all sorts of cool games that are going to blow your mind. They're secret from now, but a year from now, we'll be, we'll be talking about it. Maybe. Maybe. Well, yeah. Put yeah, it in a time capsule. Come out. Let's yeah. do it again next yeah. year. Yeah, we'll be here next year. All right. Uh, and where can fans find you on Twitter, social media? Uh, at Twitter, it's at uh, uh, Bill Roseman, B-I-L-L-R-O-S-E-M-A-N-N. And every day I'm sharing... Uh, just whatever I can, cool stuff, art and info, giving sneak peeks of all, all things Marvel games and all things Marvel. I'm actually very uh, a private person. I'm not very active on social. My mom told me not to talk to strangers, so I'm, I'm actually just really afraid of Big Brother. So that's uh, fair. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm actually not active in the Twitter sphere. I get all I do all my tweeting through Bill. Yeah. Uh, we 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 also have Marvel Games at yes, Marvel Games, Marvel which games, you course. contribute to. Ben yes. contributes to. I can contribute yeah, to. We jump on there and, and we, we we spread the latest and the greatest, and uh, yeah, yeah, we just keep keep the excitement going. Right on. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. This is Marvel, your universe.